We are in a series called The Unhurried Life, and we're going through a book called The Unhurried Life. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't like that book. And I would like to stop the series now. And so this is my exit of No More Unhurried Life. No, it's very convicting, okay? But really, all it is is just following Jesus' rhythms of work and rest. And so it's just kind of like Pastor Michelle was talking about, looking at the world through a different lens. And this lens is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not something that you die and then go to heaven and you're with Jesus and then there's a kingdom. The kingdom of God starts right here. It starts with us viewing our lives as a living sacrifice, the Bible says. We look at our lives as a living sacrifice. So last week, we talked about patience and how important patience is. And we, we came from this uh, section of Scripture in Galatians, that the, but the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you're following Jesus' rhythms of work and rest, anything you invest in will show fruit. If you invest in talk radio and the news and all that, you're going to have fruits of uh, uh, anxiety, fruit of outrage, fruit of anger, okay? But if you invest in following Jesus's rhythms of work and rest, there's going to be these things we call the fruit of the Spirit, and it's love and joy and peace and patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Bible says, against these things, there is no law. Like, you can't have too much of it. There's no limit. There's no barriers to it. It's, 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 it's what you're actually searching for in life. And if you think about it, it is what you're searching for in life. I mean, all these things. Can you imagine if you, if somebody said, how are you doing? <laughs> How, how, how are you doing? And you said, oh, I have so much love. I have so much joy. Oh, my goodness. If I could tell you about all the peace I have, the patience and the kindness. It's almost like, are you like out of your mind? Like, who, who lives like that? Well, that's, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And so right after this verse, two verses later, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And keeping in step with the Spirit is the unhurried life. That's the unhurried life that we're looking for. So this morning, we're going to talk about sin and temptation and repentance. Yay! It's going to be fun, right? So just to give you a little background, uh, Jesus, before he went into ministry, he had 30 years of waiting before he went into ministry. 30 years. That's a long time to wait. That's, we talked last week about patience uh, quite a bit, about this idea of just getting... And then um, what kicks off his ministry is his baptism. His baptism. Now, if you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to get baptized. It's a command in the Bible, and Jesus did it, so it's pretty much easy to figure out that you need to get that done. Uh, but... I guess we can't do it now until we are allowed to be in a baptismal together, I guess. I don't know. That came out wrong. Anywho, um, so, so here's what happens. As soon as Jesus is baptized, 
He went up out of the water, and at that moment, this is so cool. This didn't happen in my baptism, by the way. Uh, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Like, like it just like he just feels the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have felt that before. Uh, I haven't seen the heavens open, but I've, I've felt that experience of just knowing that the Spirit of God was around. Sometimes it'll be while we're worshiping together. Sometimes it'll be um, as I'm just meditating in, in the mornings when I meditate on, on God. And so this is what happens to him. And a voice uh, from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the first time Jesus is called the Son of God. The Son of God. So, what happens to a person who's starting out ministry and he's called the Son of God? Okay, I'll just tell you what would happen for me. I'd be like, sweet, I'm finally getting the recognition I deserve. Uh, and let's go get some ministry done. Like, let's... Let's go. Let's build a church. Let's plant a church. Let's hire a bunch of people. Let's like, come on, let's go. Let's save souls. Let's, you know, get our theology all in order. <laughs> but see, I'm looking through the lens of the world, okay, not the lens of the kingdom. Now, for those of you, and I'm looking out, uh, many of you have been here since I've been here. Uh, in November, it'll be, it'll be 15 years in November. I can't even believe that. That would make, I'm 35, yeah, I'm 35, okay. Um, and so I, uh, uh, when I first got here, like it was like, let's go, we gotta, get, we gotta get ministry done. So I said the series, well it wasn't a series, we went through the book of Matthew and it took us two years. And um, we talked about the idea of, and, and, and this is going to annoy you who've been here forever, uh, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the earth. As a matter of fact, I had a board member one time, uh, we went into a board meeting and uh, he, I said, okay, how's everything going? How, you know, how's everybody? What are you here? Like, are we doing okay? And he said, yeah, I got a really major complaint. I'm like, what is that? He's like, I can't stand you doing this anymore, right? And I'm like, wow, you're on the board. I'm like, you mean this? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. So yeah, the kingdom of, the, like, where's your mindset? Is it the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of earth, okay? And so uh, that board member's no longer here. So there we go. All right. Okay. We just get stuff done here, man, I'm telling you. Oh, you didn't like it? Bye. Okay, no. So, so this is my son who I'm well pleased. Okay, so like what's the first thing that happens? Jesus gets baptized. He's called the son of God. Like rock star. Ah, here's what happens. Then, actually, if you, if you look at a couple other gospels, it says immediately. So he gets out, he like gets baptized doesn't even have time to towel off, and immediately he's led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I just want to talk to you a little bit about devil theology, okay? Satan theology, because there's a lot of mystery around that. I believe that there is a Satan. I just want to make that very, very clear, okay? Because I don't want to get him upset at me, uh, but I, I believe there's a Satan. I believe there's a devil. I believe there are demons, okay? What I don't believe is that every time something happens, it's an attack from the enemy, okay? Because here's what we know about Satan. 
He's a fallen angel, which means he's not omnipresent. Does that make sense? And there's a very small likelihood that out of the billions of people on the planet, he decided to be present with me, okay? There's way bigger fish to fry, okay? So, so we have to be careful when we talk about the enemy and all that kind of stuff. Here's what I believe. There are demonic forces that influence culture and create institutions that lack justice, okay? And those are demonic forces. Those are satanic forces. And so what I have to do through my lens of the kingdom of... I don't, I don't know why I just did that. I don't know why it's a... They're binoculars, but... Where the lens of the kingdom, how am I viewing my surroundings? See, as I walk with Jesus in an unhurried life, how do I receive the signals that I'm getting? Are those demonic signals? Because I believe there are things in our culture that are satanic forces, injustices, things like that. And so I hope that makes sense. Some of you, I can't tell online, but these people right here, they're like, hmm, might need a new pastor. Anyway, so that, that's, that's what's happening here. Uh, but Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Now, if the devil's going to tempt anyone, it would be Jesus. He's the biggest fish to fry, okay? So I actually believe this happened in, his, in history. There is an enemy. His name is Satan, the devil, the tempter, uh, the, the father of lies. And I believe that he had this encounter with Jesus, okay? So, so we're all clear there. Now, well, that's what the Bible says. After, <laughs> this is great. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. <laughs> right? Okay, here's what it would say if I was being tempted by the devil. After missing breakfast, Sean was hungry, <laughs> right? Like, that's what it would be if, if, if it was my narrative, but it's not. So for some reason, the dude makes it through 40 days and 40 nights, and he becomes hungry. But here's what I want you to see. He's at his weakest, and when we are at our weakness, weakest, we are most susceptible to temptation. And we can get to our weakest in a lot of different ways. We can get to our weakness in, in sin. We can get to uh, our most weak uh, weakness most most weak in um, uh, by just not taking care of ourselves. So we we get to a place where we're by not being in the Word, by not having our times with Jesus in the morning or at night or whenever you have it. But this is when, whether it be a demonic culture, demonic institution, whatever it is, this is when we're at our weakness, weakest when we're not. Next to Jesus, we have not kept in, in step with the Spirit. We're either too far ahead or too far behind. And so, he becomes hungry. The tempter came and said, if you are the Son of God, questioning his identity, okay, because we already know God, his heavenly Father, had sent the Spirit down like a dove, and then there's this voice God, who says, this is my son. So Satan comes and he says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, you can read the whole Bible. You can read the whole Bible. There is nothing in the Bible that says you can't turn stones into bread. That wouldn't be a sin to just turn stones into bread. What the temptation is, 
is that when I want something, I want to get it now, and I don't care what it costs. With the power that I have, with the influence that I have, that there's no journey with God to what I want, I just click and I get it. I don't know about you. I, this, is, this just shows how much of a first world person I am. I have ordered that things have shown up on my doorstep and I don't know what it is because I can't remember ordering it because I just wanted something and I ordered it and then it came the next day and I'm like, wow, what's that? Oh my goodness, this is awesome. Like, like yeah, dude, you ordered it, knucklehead, right? So, so it's this idea of before I satisfy a need, where's Jesus? Is he ahead of it? Is he behind it? Like, like it, speaking to my identity, am I, do I just want something and I just get it and I just buy it or I just click on it or I just say it? This is, this is, the, pro, this is the problem that he has. Just, yeah, just look, you're hungry. Just get it. You don't have to talk to your heavenly father. You don't have to ask him about anything. You're hungry. It's been 40 days. How long are you supposed to go? Did he even tell you how long we was supposed to go? And so Jesus says this. This is so great. This is so great when it comes to this idea that we must have everything right away. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Now, what's fascinating about the scriptures Jesus uses is he uses them all out of Deuteronomy 6 through 8, which is, which is the Israelites being taken through the desert. And so each one of these has uh, an Old Testament failure of the Israelites that Jesus is now overcoming. And so they got hungry and they grumbled against God. Jesus gets hungry and he says, oh, you don't just live by whatever your stomach is telling you to do, whatever, the, whatever you want. You don't just live by that. Man doesn't live by those things alone. But watch. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God, you live by following the word of God and walking in step with the spirit. Do you want me to buy that? Do you want me to click on that? Do you want me to post that? Is it just a quick, quick fix? Or is it, hey, I'm following my heavenly father. Jesus figured this out. He says, we don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's another story in John about Jesus is talking to this woman at a well. And back in those days, women were not valued, and um, it would kind of be a little bit inappropriate for him to be talking to this woman. But Jesus is about breaking boundaries and breaking stereotypes. And so he's talking to this woman. And uh, the disciples show up afterwards. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. The disciples show up afterwards uh, with some food because Jesus sent them off to get food. And they're kind of like, what, what's he doing talking to this, to this woman? And so Jesus talks. They go back and forth. And then G they say, hey, Jesus, why, why don't you have something to eat? And Jesus makes this profound statement. And, and this is well into his ministry. So now it, it's like he could almost go back to this time when he was talking to the enemy, when he was talking to Satan, and now he's like lived it out. And he says this, my food, Jesus says, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. To finish. To get it done. That's what he says to his disciples. I believe that that came out of his ability to withstand that temptation and to go, 
you can do it. Like we said um, last week, you can through him. You can through him. And so, um, so that's, that's one. By the way, they're playing a game, and it's first to three wins. So Jesus won, uh, the devil zero. Okay, so uh, here's number two. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest um, uh, point of the temple. Now, you're like, wow, how did this happen? Well, I, I believe that these are visions that, G, that, that the Satan is giving Jesus. Because like, I, I don't think they just walked all the way up to the temple and then like climbed, the, you know, found some stairs, opened a door and then hiked up to the top of the, these, and you'll see it in the next one. These are just visions that Satan is giving Jesus uh, as we would have in our imagination going, real Jesus, real Satan, want that to be clear. But then he's just telling him, look, picture yourself at the top of that temple. He says, if you are the son of God, he said, Oh, I don't know what this is there. Uh, Y'all throw yourself. I, got, I, don't, I don't know why there's a why there, but there, erase, erase. There's not supposed to be a why. If you were the son of God, now watch what's, this is cool. This is really cool. So the first time Satan tempts Jesus, he just says, turn these stones into bread, just an arbitrary thing. And Jesus uses scripture against Satan. Now what does Satan do? For it is written. Do you know that you can get systems of injustice and uh, that use scripture right our 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 history is based on using scripture to uh allow slavery they they were christians they use scripture and so satan is using scripture here y'all throw yourself down for it is written he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you shall not strike your foot against a rock. And then Jesus is awesome. He says, it is also written. In other words, read your entire Bible, which is really kind of cool because Jesus was technically writing scripture every time he talked, which I don't know. Do you ever think about that? Like every time he talked, it was like scripture. So that was kind of cool. Jesus also answered him, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So in the first one, uh, Jesus, basically these three are what we call the Shema. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So he's, in the first one, it was love the Lord your God with all your heart. I don't need my, my pleasures, my impulses, what, what I want, my desires. I put them all aside because I want to live a life that, uh, from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All my heart. I want to love him with all my heart. This is all my soul, like with my life. Jesus says, essentially, I'm not going to test him with my life. My life is here for a reason. I'm here to serve. I'm here for a purpose. God's job is not to protect every little thing I do, and my job is not to prove that he's God. My job is not to prove that God is God. My job is to lay my life into his hands. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus, two, the enemy, zero, okay? It's a game to three, okay? So here's the third one. It doesn't go into overtime, by the way. You can probably see where this is all going. 
again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. Okay, and this is why I believe it was a vision, just so we're clear, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. There is no mountain that shows all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. So it doesn't exist. So there must be another explanation of what he was doing. Basically, what he was doing was he was showing Jesus the cultures and the systems that he had created. And anytime you have a culture or a system that the enemy has had an impact on, it's an abuse of power typically, there's injustice involved, and there's disparity. You've got a, a, a big disparity between people. You've got those who are what we would call the least of these, and you've got the powerful, maybe the rich and the famous. And basically what Satan is doing is he says this, hey, you want to be a part of the rich and famous? You want to be part of the in crowd? I've created all these little systems, all these things that just, and, and it won't bother you because you're going to be, you're going to be on the top side, not on the bottom side. He says, shows them all, all the world and their splendor, all their production, all their efficiency, all their success. And he says, all this I'll give you if you bow down and worship me. Now you say, John, how does this apply to me? Because uh, first of all, I don't think I've ever met Satan uh, personally. And um, he's never given me a vision. And he's never really like tempted me in this way. The enemy is tempting you with this third one all the time. It's just through our culture about how much you really need. Uh, what makes you valuable? See, remember that all of this temptation was relating out of Jesus' identity. God had said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And so what Satan is basically doing is questioning that identity. You as well have an identity that God has give you, given you. You are his son or his daughter, and he's well pleased with you. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, what I'm about to engage in, what I'm about to partake in, am I, which lens am I looking that at? Do, do I think that I need something else to eat or something else to consume in order to, to make my life worth something or to experience life the way it's supposed to be experienced? Or do I really seek after every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? I'll tell you this, every week I bow down and do this very thing. I worship a culture that wasn't necessarily created by God. I might do it through consumerism. I might do it through comparison. Like I, I, I want what they have. You can call it covetousness. I do it through disappointment. Oh, my life, you know, this didn't measure up. Well, what's measuring up? The only thing that's measuring up is a culture that, that has been created for us that we live in. And our question is this, are we going to live through every word that proceeds from the mouth of God or are we going to bow down and worship a culture that has been created for us? Now, I realize that some of this might be disturbing language that I'm using, but here's what Jesus says. Jesus 3, Satan 0. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
with all your strength. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Jesus covers them all in these temptations. And he asks us to do the same. He asks us not to seek positions of power, only to seek positions of power so that we can then serve others, that we can use that power in order to serve others. That not to seek positions of wealth, but to take our wealth and to use it for those who might not have wealth, to serve. Our whole thing is to serve. Jesus, in a very famous section of scripture in John, it's the Last Supper, right? So he's gonna die, and he knows he's gonna die, and the Bible says that all authority, he realized that all authority has been given to him, and he knew that he was going to be handed over. So he wrapped a towel around his waist as an example for us to serve. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? I've let you off the hook of having to live in a culture that was not designed by me, is what he did. The culture of getting there first, of hoarding toilet paper, of of all this, I got to get mine, I got to get mine, there's only so much, scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. It wasn't created by God. It wasn't created by God. He says, I, do you see what I've done for you? I, I, I've made it so that you don't have to do those things. I'll give you an example. She's going to hate that I give this example. But like every time Lisa would go to Costco, I'd be like, go get, get make sure you get some toilet paper. If they have toilet paper, get toilet paper. Because right? it was during the, the height of everything, right? She's like, we don't need toilet paper. I'm like, It'll make me feel better if I just knew that I had some extra toilet paper there. Now, granted, I, I could just go. There's a closet over there that's got like 400 rolls of toilet paper. I could have just stolen them from the church, but I'm a Christian. I don't do that kind of stuff. And so, so I'm like, and, and it's scratchy, so it's cheap. I mean, what are you, you going to do? It's church, it's church toilet paper, right? So come on. So, uh, so I'm going to get some toilet paper. So, so finally, you know, we're getting low. So she gets toilet paper. And the first thing she does is she takes one of the big things out and like goes and gives it to somebody. I'm like, what are you doing? Like that's our toilet paper, right? Because I was subscribing to a system that was being created for me, a hoarding system, a system of fear, a system of outrage, a system that uh, was created for me. He says, don't you understand? I've, I've let you off the hook from that. Don't write me any emails about toilet paper. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am, what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He's creating a new system, a new culture that breaks the bondage of sin and death. The devil left him and the angels came. And attended to him. God, wouldn't you love to see that? I mean, what does that even look like? Like, angel, like angels coming and they're just like, you know, your bread, sir. You know, I don't know what that looks like. Like they're giving him a mani-pedi or something. Like he's just like, oh man, 40 days, that was long. I don't know what that looks like. But I tend to read a little bit too much into the Bible myself. So Jesus goes on. And we're going to skip six verses. Um, and this might be a tough one for us to receive. Um, but from that time on, 
From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, when we think of repent, we think of feeling bad. We think of, um, uh, you know, crying maybe or begging for forgiveness or whatever. And that might be part of some repentance. To repent means to change one's mind. Think different because the kingdom of heaven has come near. You don't have to subscribe to these other cultures that have been created, these other systems that have been created. There's another system, one that transcends all of them. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's a kingdom of servanthood. It's a kingdom of humility. It's a kingdom of being able to be selfless. It's a kingdom of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's the kingdom of God. And so as we go into an unhurried life, we need to repent. We need to rethink. We need to change our mind. I, I just want to say this briefly. Right now, America is going through a time of repentance. Now, you say, you mean feeling bad for our history? No, of beginning to change our mind. That maybe we have some systems that need to be rethought. Maybe we have a history that needs to be rethought and re-evaluated, okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not coming down on America or anything like that. I'm just saying that we're in a time where all of a sudden we're beginning to wake up like, wow, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened that we really need to rethink. Does that make sense? And so I believe we're going through this. And, and, here, and here's the thing, it's messy, and repentance is always messy. It's messy when I have to repent for my personal sin. It's messy when I have to go through reordering systems. It's just repentance is hard. And this is why Jesus, at, from that time on, began to preach, rethink, rethink, rethink. Because the, there's another kingdom, and it's right here, and it's right now. Here's the way Paul puts it. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Right? I mean, we can get addicted to information. We can get addicted to substances. We can get addicted to sexual stuff. We can get addicted to all sorts of stuff. That's the pattern of the world. There's a lack of self-control. Don't conform to that. In other words, if you just sit in the current of culture and you lift your feet up, you're going to end up at a place you do not want to be. And so we stand firm in culture as it's flowing, and we say, I'm going to rethink this. Maybe I swim upstream. Maybe I get out of the river altogether and I walk on the banks or I just wait. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Why? What? By the renewing of your mind. It all starts in the mind. What do I value? What's my identity? What's important to me? Those kingdom values, the ones of the kingdom, are the ones that's going to change you. Renew your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Should I turn the stones into bread or not? Should I jump off a temple or not? Should I buy into evil systems and evil cultures or not 
His good, look at this, pleasing and perfect will. As we, as Taylor comes back up, um, temptation always feels like you're missing something, right? Doesn't it? Like when you're being tempted by something, it's a fear of like missing out on something. But true spiritual maturity is to not sin and know you haven't missed anything. That there's some other thing that God has, this good and pleasing and perfect will. So uh, Taylor's going to lead us in another um, song. And uh, what we do during this time, typically we prepare our offering. And for those of you who are here digitally, if that's something you do, you can give online. We have a box in the back that if people are giving, they drop it in there, whatever. Um, but the most important part of this time is to try to listen to God, to try to listen to the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're rushing ahead of him. And you're trying, you're striving for the, to accomplish some system that's been created for you that you're living in that doesn't even have the same values as the, the kingdom of God. Or maybe you're falling behind. Maybe God wants you to take some risks, right, that you wouldn't normally take. He's saying, come on, let's go, let's do this. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's make a change. Or maybe he's saying, oh, man, you are right where I want you to be. Don't. Don't stress out. Don't worry about it. I think for a lot of us, a lot more than you'd think, that's his word for you. You're doing good. You're there. We'll work off, tweak these other little things or not tweak these other little things. Let me pray for us. And then uh, after we sing this song together and listen to God, I'll come up and uh, bless both of our communities. Lord Jesus, I repent. <laughs> I repent of the systems I've been involved in. I look back in my youth and my language and the way I viewed the world. It wasn't your kingdom. So I pray for forgiveness for that. And I pray for eyes to see. I can continue to grow in maturity and to be work with your rhythms of work and rest to hear from you. I just thank you for that in your name. I pray for those who um, will be spending this time listening to your voice. They would hear you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. appreciate you guys. You do such a good job. Thank you. So for those of you who are at home or in your car, I guess you can't stand up in your car, but uh, if you want to stand for the blessing. Um, if you're offended by my toilet paper analogy, um, 
all emails go to michelle at livingspring.com. So send them all there. Okay. Now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his grace, in his peace, in his joy, and in his self-control. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next week.